Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. All right, Casey, are you going to... Well, welcome to Animorphs Anonymous. <laughs> I don't know why I was fal- falsifying being drunk there. Um, I don't know why either. <laughs> I mean, I mean... It's good I, energy, good energy. I, yep. Yeah. Um, it's my attempt at acting. I am drinking, however, a Bold Rock hard cider, peach flavored, um, just because Ooh. we have a guest, and it's a guest episode, and we apparently we drink on those. Some Yay, of us. We Hooray! Do. Yay! Yay! What's up? Welcome, welcome, guest. What is your name? Oh hi! Nice to meet you. Thanks for having. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> my name is Maisha. <laughs> Don't tell them your last name or where you live. That's right. No. no. <laughs> Most important facts you must never tell anyone. I remember those rules. Yes, I'm Maisha. Hello, Maisha. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Why don't you tell us how you got into Animorphs? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Actually, I can remember the first book that I read, mm. um, which was completely by accident. I was at a friend's house and he had... Megamorphs number one. And <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't even the first book, but I think I saw. I think Megamorphs number one is the one where it has their four pictures on it, and like they're all like half of some kind of animal or something like that. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. I remember distinctly seeing Cassie, and I was like, oh, a black girl on the cover of a book, and she's also half a fly or something. And I was like, that's weird, but also, <laughs> can I borrow this book? I would like to read it. So. He let me borrow it. I read it like front to back and I was like, is there more? And (laughs) basically, (laughs) yeah, basically from there, I, so confession, I read Animorphs when I was younger. I was deeply involved and loved it and then kind of checked out by like book 38 or so. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I know what happens. Like I eventually caught up and like read the summaries of the rest of them so like i kind of know what happens in the rest of the series but i was deeply 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 involved in it until eh, i wasn't which is like probably pretty deep in the ghostwriting phase i yeah. think so okay yeah um but yeah still probably one of my very very formative influences yeah um so i still have all my books at my parents house they really wish i would get rid of them or at least <laughs> put them in my own house uh, uh, yes, so yeah i actually I uh, have Visser, like, the book, because I've had it, I don't know, since it came out, I guess. So, read the actual physical hardcover book and everything. That's awesome. And d- did yeah. you read the physical copy for this, or you read a digital version for this? No, I read the physical copy. For some reason, I, whenever I moved out of my parents' place, I decided to take, like, a few Animorphs books. Mm-hmm. So, I took Visser um i think probably one of the megamorphs and i think the hork bajur chronicles and then maybe uh 
Elfanger's book. I think that was it. Oh, so you took all no. the non-serial books? Yes. Because yeah. I was like, the there's no way books. I can fit. Yeah, I couldn't fit all of those in my house. So I was like, I'll just take a, a select few. The high points of the series. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is so interesting. Like, yeah. I feel like most of the people we talk to never start on the first book in the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, man. I really like that. I was going to say, I can only as- assume that's why they have the characters reintroduce themselves every single time. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was absolutely why they did it, because they wanted to start yeah. a new book. But I... That is really interesting because I don't think I know anyone that started on book one. I think even uh, when we had Stephanie on, she said she started at one of Jake's books or something. Mm-hmm. Not the first <laughs> one, but one of Jake's books. <laughs> yeah. And but I yeah. started on Tobias's first book, which was a huge mistake. God, that is a huge mistake. You guys both started on like really crazy books to have as your first yeah. experience. Yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. Good good way to, to dive in to uh, the whole tone of the series, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is like uh, the morph sequence in this book. Casey, you probably didn't get it, but it is a kid going up to the yerk pool and a yerk dropping out of his ear. It's like oh, yeah. crazy. The morph sequence, like when you flip the pages. Oh. Yeah. It's a kid <gasps> dropping a yerk in the pool. Yeah. And the yerk swims around and then goes back into his ear yeah whoa it's really creepy (laughs) i'm trying to picture what that looks like i'll have to find that later if i had another hand so i could hold my phone as the camera and then flip it for you I oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, but yeah it's a crazy sequence i forgot that this or maybe i never had the actual physical physical copy of viser until recently i don't know but man what did you what did y'all think of the cover of this book? Okay, so sorry. Yeah, the cover is no, yeah. I was gonna say the cover is beautiful and great. So I had Visser for like a very long time before actually reading it for the first time, um, like literally maybe last year. Again, I just collected a whole bunch of books and then it's just like I'll read them. Anywho, so I thought for the longest time just looking at the cover that it was about Visser three, and then when I finally read it, I was like, oh shit, no, it's not. Yeah, this that's what I thought too. Very misleading, which was fine for me. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be, like, present day, like, having his own adventure, but from his Mm -hmm. point of view. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It is very misleading. Um, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, because, like, if you want to draw people in, you're like, okay, well, you know, here's (laughs) one of the most prominent villains of the book, and he's on the cover, so... Well, I mean, the other option is, like, here's a housewife... And, like, if you want to get kids, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, oh, okay, so here's another thing. If you have the physical copy of the book, if you look at the cover, all of his eyes are pointed towards you. If you look at the back cover, just one of his stock eyes is pointed back at you. What? Yeah. Whoa, okay. So I didn't know that because there is a border sticker over oh, the back no. of his oh, eye no. stalks, which I'm going to take off right now. Yeah, you gotta take oh, my off. God, that's this so awesome. creepy. Oh, that's probably that's why. So maybe maybe the store clerk was like, oh, this is creepy. I'm going to put the sticker in. <laughs> wow. Ooh, I bought this. I'm so sorry. I don't know why. You know, I'm just like fascinated by the fact that I still have this hardcover book. I bought this uh, apparently October 21st, 1999. Whoa. Aww. Wow. Yeah. 
That's a, almost 10 years ago. Yeah. What? Is it 10 years ago? Yeah, 1999. It's 2019. Okay. Wait, Wait, 20 years no. ago. <laughs> oh, <so we> <laughs> was like, oh my gosh. Math is terrifying. <laughs> I'm not 30. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew how old I was at any given point in time. Listen, you said 10 years ago, and I was like, yeah, that's right. I know, yes. right? It feels like the 90s was 10 years ago. Oh my god. Uh, I, like, the... Anyone who's born in the year 2000 has it so easy because, like, adding right? and subtracting years is going to be just so, like, straightforward for them. Yeah. I was not yeah. only born in the 90s, I was born in 1989. So I have oh, to, like, man. add a year and it's just, oh, God. I mean, I guess at least it's just adding one year. I was born in 86. So it's like, oh, yeah. S- subtract four, Ooh. add, wait, no, subtract six or add four. Math. <laughs> oh, math. <laughs> I just Ugh. give up. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> just say you're in your early, late 20s. I will say that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think this cover is, like, super badass. I love that illustration. Good, good foreshortening here. Some excellent mm-hmm. foreshortening and, like, abs for days. He does Definitely have a fuckload of abs. So many abs. It's very, it, it's kind of like Boris Vallejo kind of vibe from yeah this. you know mm-hmm. it super is except for the hooves it very much is <laughs> i wonder if this glow. like yeah it, on a space background because mm-hmm. yeah god his tail is so long yeah, yeah it is i'm trying to find the credit to the artist but i am not finding it in my very quick flipping of the pages nobody credits uh, the artist oh jacket painting by romas Kavas? It's R-O-M-A-S and then last name K-U-K-A-L-I-S. Huh. Okay, so not our normal guy at all. And that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. Good job. Because I'm, sh- I'm sure the artist is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> He's our only Do we- fan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know if it's the same artist who did the Horkvajur Chronicles? Uh, I can find out. It has a very similar kind of like look. Oh, yeah. Technically, I could probably find out too, but I think that book is in my living room. Oh, I just, I grabbed it off my shelf. Nice. Not that I had success in finding who is here. Yeah, Romas Kukal. Yeah, same guy. Aha. Oh, I feel bad because I feel like I kind of tore that cover apart. (laughs) Well, we did because of his ass shot of Aldrea. It was in a like super sexy. Yeah. (laughs) But you had to know that she was a female. Yeah. I guess. Because women have legs and eyelashes and shit. And men don't. Ridiculous. (laughs) Men do not have eyelashes. Never once have I seen a man with an eyelash. Ooh. I'm looking at the Andalite Chronicles cover. That's really cool. Oh, man, that hand. That rim lighting. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that one is an excellent cover. Oh, I do have that one on my shelf. Oh, God. (laughs) Andalites are so buff. I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) They're the bodybuilders of the alien world. I guess. Swole as hell. (laughs) Okay, I had to get away from my microphone real quick so I can look at it. Yep. Yep, they swole. (laughs) real cool okay now i'm just shuffling papers in front of the microphone so i'm just gonna that's the type of audio examples that we (laughs) love here (laughs) 
And so what did you guys think of this book overall? What was your impression? I personally love it, but that's also because I love anything that gives us more insight into alien, like, society and, like, a more a more interesting insight into villains and how they think. Like, I, I know in Cassie's book, obviously, we have, like, some insight to yurks but this was like even more so mm-hmm. plus anything related to marco i'm all about so. <laughs> should should i guess that marco is your favorite character he's definitely up there so okay. him and actually cassie are my favorites nice that's fair that's fair casey's yeah. a, a cassie fan as well nice it's like cassie and axe yeah actually also axe yeah <laughs> everyone's my favorite at any given point in time Yes. Yeah. And Alex yeah. is Rachel, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, Rachel is a boss, so. That's, I, I that adore is understandable. Rachel in a scary yeah. way. In like a scary, way too much kind of a way. I really adore <laughs> Rachel. Can't, can't ever be scary. She is amazing. She is so amazing. I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Character rating in this book is going to be hard because they're barely in it yeah they're barely there yeah i don't even know if we want to do that in this one because it's like sure. what do yeah. you think of visor one what do you think of visor three <laughs> there's your rating <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah oh uh, yeah this book was like crazy intense um yeah gosh i i do love when they uh flush out villain characters um mm-hmm. and make them more complex and like I think the last time we saw Visor 1, I was kind of critical of her because I thought she was just being kind of like over the top ridiculous villain and she didn't yeah. really show me much depth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's like, holy shit, you are layered as hell. Yeah. Have all the depth. All mm-hmm. of a sudden. Here you go. Yeah. When When is the last time we see her in the books? I it don't. was uh, when Marco pushed her over a cliff. Okay, it was. I did yeah. listen to that episode, so I was, like, trying to make sure, trying to brush up, and I was like, I think it was that one, so he mm-hmm. thought she was... To- Anywho, okay. <sighs> yeah, that was the, the last time. And then the last book that happens right before this one is The Proposal, which is the one where Marco's dad gets married to his math teacher. Yes, that's so, right. Yeah. So there's a lot of intense emotions going on <laughs> right oh boy. now. Yeah, it's super intense. Ugh. But man, I love this book. Like, I was telling Casey, I think this is my favorite, like, side book of all, like, the Megamorphs and, like, the Chronicles. I think this is probably my most favorite one. Mm-hmm. That, that is so exciting to hear, which I'm totally fine with talking about, like, books that people don't like. But, mm-hmm. again, my Animorphs love is deep and very old. same perfect (laughs) Uh, yeah that's I don't oh yeah the last time I saw you you wouldn't have seen it I actually have an Animorphs tattoo on my body now so like I'm there (laughs) that's awesome may I ask of what uh, I I just have two words, and it's the uh, the Y like you would see at the beginning of the chapters, like the big animals uh-huh. Y. Um, and then oh, nice. the book font and it just says you mattered. That's oh. that's awesome and also incredibly sad, and I love it. <laughs> I enjoy it too, and Casey doesn't know. 
I, I like without spoiling. I think I know what it pertains to, but I'm I, sure you uh, do. I don't know the you, full you emotional weight of of this particular thing. So you'll read gonna... it and you'll be like, "Oh no! Why did you tattoo <laughs> that on your body?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My uh, very soul will be crushed, and I'm looking forward to it. You know that's permanent, right? Uh. <laughs> If it helps, though, and this is, like, it's going to sound like a brag, but it's really just because I want to impress upon Casey how intense it is. Um, I met Catherine Applegate, and when she saw it, she's like, that is the perfect tattoo. Can I get that tattoo? And I'm like, yes, please do it. Okay, first of all, you met Catherine Applegate. I did. I I lost my fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) I would have, too. That's amazing. She is the sweetest, most wonderful person you will ever meet. She's truly amazing. She like when they say don't meet your heroes, they did not mean Applegate. She's the best. <laughs> oh man. That's I think I would have I think I would. Would I burst into tears if I ever met her? I don't know. I guess I wouldn't have to find I probably wouldn't. I'm cool. No. <laughs> I like I held it to like I didn't cry at any point, but I held it together at first, like trying to be like low key, like we're having a conversation, mm-hmm. this is cool. Um, she yeah, I'm an adult. Books. Yeah, I'm an adult. This is fine. I know you're here for Endling, and there's a bunch of, like, 10-year-olds. But let's talk about me for <laughs> the, the almost 30-year-old here. And I was like, no, seriously, I, like, love your books. And I was telling – I used to work at, like, a bird rehab clinic, and I was telling her, like, because of Animorphs, oh, and man. she gave me, like, 10 hugs. And then I finally, like, on, like, the third or fourth hug, I just, like, lost my mind. I was like, I think everything in my life is related to Animorphs at this point. And then I was like, I have to fucking leave. I'm out. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah. That's awesome. But if you ever get the chance to meet her, I highly, highly recommend it. She is so amazing. Oh, man. I, yes, would love to do that someday. Yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, man. Should I start recapping this book, or do we have yes. any more stories we want to go through before I get into this mess? Let's Let's do it, do it. I'm ready okay. to die. Okay. <laughs> I have, just to warn you, nine pages and a paragraph of notes. Cool. <laughs> so I will go through this, like, it's mostly because it's very detailed. I'm just going to go chapter by chapter and try to get through it as fast as we can without skipping over any of the super important shit that we learn. So. Okay. And um, we will interrupt like crazy, I'm sure. <laughs> and prolong everything. Prolong absolutely everything. And also, I just want to apologize beforehand to anybody in the audience here that has not read this book because it's really fucking amazing and my notes do not do it justice. So read it. Yeah. So whatever I say, it does not do it justice. It's amazing. Okay. So this book opens with the day that Ava died. And I'm going to say Ava. It might be Eva. I have a friend with the same name, and I switch between Ava and Eva. I'm sticking Eva. with Ava for this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Eva. Yes, but Ava. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. So Ava walks around the house talking to her husband while he watches TV, distracted from her. She goes to check on Marco, her son, who is sick. And in her head, the real Eva. The, God damn it, I'm switching already. The real Eva begs the yerk to hold Marco one last time. This request is ignored. Eva tells her husband that she's going to go check on the boat, and he teases her that ever since that boat came into their lives, Marco has competition as the favorite child. Then he warns her against taking it out, saying, it's looking pretty stormy outside. She goes, don't worry, I'm just going to go and check the mooring, it's no big deal. So she heads to the marina, she gets in the boat, 
and that's when we find out she's going to sail away and disappear. She skillfully sails out of the harbor, and there's this excellent description of like this boat being a living thing that she has to take between land and sea and air and like she doesn't use the motor because she's way too cool for that (laughs) (laughs) i actually um i actually asked matt who used to sail a lot when we lived in california i was like can you do that is that real and he's like yeah it's difficult but you know if the wind is right it's definitely possible so she's just fucking awesome i guess she's just that good she is amazing at sailing Uh, which is why it breaks her heart when, as she sails out of the harbor, she raises more sail than is advisable in this weather so that people can see it, because she wants to give anybody who sees her a culprit in her death. So she sails far out like this with the, the sail way higher than it should be, and we find out that she's going into the ocean, like middle of the ocean where a bug fighter can pick her up, and then they can use the backwash from the, the bug fighter to capsize the boat, or she's going to have the taxi pilot try to knock it over. She's feeling a little sassy when she gets on the ship. <laughs> um, and all of this is so she can break free from her current situation and step into the role of Visor One. So that's chapter one. That's where we start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're... Starting at an 11, it's only yeah. more intense from there. <laughs> they, they crank it all the way right before we get into it. Yeah. Uh. So then we jump to a scene, which is what we can only guess many years later, where Visor 1 is standing trial. She's observing the Council of 13 in their robes. Many of them are Horkbizer or Taxon, and a couple are forms that she doesn't really even know what they are, and she can't guess at because they're like cloaked in these dark robes that don't give off any sort of shape. And then there's Garoff, her mentor, who's acting as the mouthpiece for the council. The person that is standing against her is Visor 3. And then the charges are red. And most of them are some form of treason punishable by death. And like, some <laughs> of them are very, like, kind of minor offenses to be <laughs> punished. Impersonating yeah. a bishop of the Church of England. <laughs> death. Yeah, it's basically like... My favorite one. Okay, so they go through all these charges. It's like treason against the Empire, stealing a ship. Well, like, they don't, stealing a ship isn't one of them. But it's like shit like that, that they're like death, Candrona starvation, both, whatever. But then there's one charge, which is killing Yerk subordinates. And that is punishable <laughs> by sending her to a labor camp where she's allowed to live. Like, Yeah, they're just like, that's not, that's not that big of a crime. It's fine. <laughs> no one cares if you kill a few subordinates. Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, murder is much less intense in the York society. Yeah, they don't give a shit about killing people that are below them. Damn. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, we find all that out. And then we also found out that Ava's face has been burned. Like, not beyond recognition, but like half of her face is like red and raw like hamburger meat. And the other Prince half Zuko. can't. She's going it up very badly. <laughs> Uh, so on top of like being burned she's also got a bunch of like broken bones and a lot of them are healing like kind of cattywampus because she's just been left in prison with no medical attention after falling off that cliff and she's also been beaten since going to prison so she's got a lot of shit happening (laughs) real real bad time yeah she's not having a great time (laughs) (laughs) it could be better (laughs) it could be better so, like, her host body, none of the injuries have been treated, but also Visor 1 is very weak because Visor 3 has been starving her. So they say at one point that Visor 1 is, like, half a day away from complete starvation. This is the circumstances in which they are letting Visor 1 stand trial, is this. 
Um, Visor 3, of course, is gloating because he thinks he's already won this thing and he believes that he'll be the one to carry out her sentence and then Ava is told to plead her case. Uh, she starts off by remembering the two humans that they originally came in contact with. So basically, we do a quick recap of the Andalite Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Lauren and Chapman were there. And then she's like, the Andalite ship boarded the Skritna ship. And then they flew into Taxon space. We don't know why. And they stole a Yerk vessel. They made it onto the Taxon homeworld. And then she mentions, like, these events aren't necessarily reported in order. We're not sure. It doesn't seem to be accurately reported at all. And then she accuses Visor 3 of being the real traitor and befriending Aloran and Elfangor. <laughs> like, they're just hurling accusations at each other. Almost yeah. completely baseless. Oh my god. <laughs> just say a thing out loud, see if it sticks. I... Yeah, pretty I, much. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you're the traitor. No, you're the traitor. You're yeah. mom. And it's literally like, I suspect you've worked with them because of this extenuating circumstance. And then it's like, <laughs> no, you worked with the Andalites because how did, you know, the Skritna get away? And it's like, well, yeah. there's a whole bunch of shit that could have happened. <laughs> it's it's very, I saw Goody Proctor communing with the devil or whatever. Just like, you were in the area, so clearly you must have conspired. God. Well, she didn't float, so she's not a witch, but also she's dead. <laughs> uh yeah that's very uh old school kind of way to run a trial yeah but visor one by accusing (laughs) visor three of befriending aloran and alfangor one of those his very host body uh just enrages visor three and he starts whipping his tail around and so he's already looking like oh he doesn't have control of himself like ava's already (laughs) coming out looking better right at the start of this trial yeah so, yeah, um, she's sowing the seeds of doubt amongst the Council of Thirteen. And uh, they're basically playing like mommy and daddy. They're like, okay, don't talk to each other. Don't even look <laughs> at each other. Just talk to us. Like, I wrote that Visor 3 is such a man baby. He is. <laughs> He's a huge man baby. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Uh. He like until the very end of this trial, he has like no control over himself. Like. It's just depressing at some points. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, she says, like, way later on, she's like, I'm surprised you, like, were actually able to get as far as you did, just basically being, like, <laughs> the cluster F of a person that you are. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. accurate. I, too, am surprised. And there, another thing they say, not to, like, jump around completely, but I'm going to. Um, at one point she says something like, how did you study the Andalites so intensely and learn so much about the Andalites and you did not apply the same principle here on Earth? Like, that is so fucking dumb. Yeah. I I had a moment when I was reading that part again that I was just like, thank you. Very (laughs) valid point. Someone finally said it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So good, though. So um, they both quieted down after the Council of Thirteen is like, stop speaking to each other, talk only to us, and just behave yourselves. So Visor One was saying, like, I'm, I came here, I was sure I had located this Class 5 species, but I only knew a general location because Visor Three had, of course, allowed the Skritna ship to escape. So after months of searching, I had found three likely places where it might be. But when she went to tell her superior, Subvisor 17... 
Um, she, mm-hmm. the sub visitor is basically like, you're wasting your time. Don't fucking do this. Like you, you haven't found anything. Just shut up. There's no class five species, whatever. Um, visitor one then very heavily implied in this statement that visitor three was trying to protect this information. And that's why sub visitor 17 dismissed her. Um, and then she mentions later, she found out that that wasn't the case. It was just mass incompetence, but we don't really <laughs> find out what that story is. Like she just mentions like, no, he was just totally incompetent at his job. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, <laughs> um, we then find out that Visitor One stole a ship, took it without permission, and flew it towards Earth. And Visitor Three is like, "Aha! She admits to stealing a ship. Put her to death immediately." <laughs> the council's like, "No, no, we forgave her for that crime a long ass time ago. This is totally fine." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So um, they then say that what they want to do to, like, find out what's happening is watch Visitor One's memory dump of this time period. Um, They want to see what she saw firsthand, see why she made the decisions she did. And then there's some more posturing because Visitor Three was like, she should do a current memory dump. We should watch what's going on right now. And, like, the council just goes, no, no, visitors aren't required to do memory dumps. That's, like indignant that's for like the lower people we don't do that here (laughs) (laughs) which is really weird but whatever right it's like i don't whatever i don't understand why they wouldn't be like you're on trial you have to do a memory dump and then we find out later that they can do it for specific time periods and not like don't let it bleed into like other memories so i don't know why they they didn't just didn't do that from the beginning yeah (laughs) yeah it would have saved us a lot of time but then it wouldn't be this amazing book so (laughs) True. Shouldn't complain. (laughs) Uh, So they start going through Visitor One's memory dump. And this is of the time when she first came to Earth and, like, what they were first experiencing. So it's almost like a movie that they're, like, immersed in. And everybody gets to see it together. Aw. (laughs) Eating popcorn. (laughs) Uh. Gather around the tube. Watch the flashback. Yeah. It's like the Star Trek... uh, I, I don't know if you guys watch Star Trek, but... Basically, if a character was is in an episode at the end and missed the beginning of the episode, they just have the character watch the beginning of the episode on a TV so they're caught up. <laughs> it's the first thing they do with Riker in, like, episode one when they're like, you missed the first half of, like, docking in Q. So here, watch this on a TV and come back to us when you know what's going on. Oh, my God. Anyways, sorry. There's a lot of Star Trek in this book as well, which is really exciting oh, no. for me. There totally is. I mean, the Andalites are basically the Andorians, but, like, with horse bodies, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. So, so good. I love all the Star Trek in these books. And I love that I Star too. Wars is, like, not as big of a thing. Other than giving it a weird name drop, saying, like, episode one was actually pretty good. Oh, my God. Anyway. Wow. Yep. That's when this took place. <laughs> yeah, it is. These books is are scary. old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's harder to believe that Star Wars episode one, two, and three are like twenty years old now. Like that's Oof. worse for me than anything else. <laughs> that's the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyways, Visitor One's memory starts playing. They're on the stolen ship, and she's with Essam, a Yerk with a Horkbizer host that she took with her, mostly because of his poor choices due to morality. Essam <laughs> <laughs> like, was too nice. Yeah, he's a softy boy. Pretty much. She's like, I'm taking him because he's soft. Like, he made it to, like, a sub rank and then got demoted because he was, like, too empathetic. 
So yay. Um, <laughs> they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna pop out of Z space soon in the stolen ship, and if SM's calculations are correct, they will they will have enough supplies to keep them alive for a very short amount of time, but we're talking like hours. Um, mm-hmm. SM will return to the pool on board of the ship, like the little portable yerk pool, and his Hork Visor host will be killed so that Visor 1 can stay alive for longer. And throughout this book, um, Visor 1 changes ranks, but I, for continuity, I'm just going to keep calling her Visor 1. Um, and also her, because she says, like, she seems to identify with being a mother and that sort of shit. So yeah. I'm just going to keep doing that. So cool. if you're like, wow, you know, that's, she wasn't Visor 1 at this time. She was like, you know, sub Visor 471 or whatever. It, it, I'm not. Nobody can that. keep track it's, of that shit. Yeah. If no. I do that, we will get so confused. I refer to her either as Visor One, um, and then later in the book, I refer to her just by the first part of her Yerk name, which is uh, Edris. Edris? Edris? Yeah, there we go. Edris. Yeah. So those are the two names for her that I refer to her as in this book. She's not Visor One right now. Just or is it clarify. Idris? Could be Idris. Idris. I don't know. I don't know either. And then a Visor number one. designation. Yeah, she's Visor One to me. <laughs> me too perfect <laughs> so um just to interrupt i noticed a lot of the yerk names start with e yes you've got ephraim do. Is, is it ephraim i forgot uh yeah. the yerk yes. that cassie's friends with um i think that's ephraim yeah yeah and mm-hmm. like esm and idris and whatever Bizzard three's real name is i think is also an e espelin e- something yeah. Yeah. yeah there's so many e's there are yeah it must be like an naming convention that is common as the same with whatever the naming convention is for the andalites that i've already forgotten but yes what but, even is yeah. the andalite naming convention though do they I mostly forget. start with vowels i i know that like axe and elfangor have different parts of their parents names in their names so i think axe has like part of his mother's name and elfangor have part of his father's name cute i yeah, I can't remember which part, but oh my god, I'm struggling so hard to remember Axe's mother's name, which I did know at one point, but no longer do. <laughs> They're just all over the place. Oh. But yeah, the Yerk names, like most of them, seem to start with E. But I think we've encountered oh, other Yerks. Yeah, Aftran. Aftran. That's that's. Oh right. Yeah, but I mean, they all start with vowels, I guess. Yeah. I think there was the one, though, that started... Didn't it start differently? The one in, like, Axe's first book when he first contacts the Andalite oh, world. Oh, yeah. Forgot that There was a Yurk named in that book, and I I don't remember the name, but I have a feeling that it, like, didn't follow this convention. But it was okay. also really early in the series. Okay. Could just be a coinky so, thing, too. It could be. But there's a lot of E names. So if you're, like, the type of person like me that's, like... You have the first letter, and then after that, it's just gibberish. You're going to have a really <laughs> fucking hard time with this book. Sure. <laughs> That's why I continued with the Visor 1 convention. I'm like, I'm not going to try to switch it up. <sighs> yeah. So anyways, yeah. So Essam will return to the pool on board, and the hork will be killed, and Visor 1 will be able to take more resources and live for longer. And Visor 1 knows that she's asking a lot because he may not get another host, Remember, this is when the Yerks are still, like, having trouble securing enough hosts for everybody. So there's a lot of, like, backlog and you have to really, like, prove yourself to get a host and wait a long time. So, right. There's that one part where she, like, she's training the new recruits or whatever and she, like, kills someone for speaking out of turn. But she's like, oh, but they were a Ged host, so it's fine. If they were a Hork I wouldn't have done it because, like, we need those bodies more. 
Yeah. There are far fewer of them. Yeah, and they're more way more valuable than dead bodies. Yes. I oh, say oh. from the Yurk perspective. <laughs> I found I found the Yurk's name in question. Um it's Ooh. it's Eslin, but the other Yurk he was in uh. love with was Durain. Yeah, so. that's I thought it was nice. a D. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, so Continue. Well done. Okay. So um Right. They're on the ship. They pop out of Z-Space, and it turns out that SM has done an excellent job. They pop out right by our sun in our solar system in the Milky Way galaxy. Conveniently. Well, they did the research. (laughs) (laughs) Like, months of research. So it is convenient that they picked this one of the three places. But, like, I'm not going to say totally convenient because they did put the hours in. No. Small amount of credit. Half credit, half convenient. Partial credit. Yeah, partial credit. They're they're getting a D, but they're getting a credit. <laughs> uh, they still pass. They st- yeah, they do pass the class, but it is below average work. <laughs> this is the part where it really does get like super convenient though, because SM starts making moves to like start searching the moons, and Visor One's like, "No, look at the planets. I've been studying this species. This is my species, and I've envisioned them on a planet. Look at the planets. Like, it's very weird." <laughs> um, so then they oh, start. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it made no sense. Um, they start searching the planets. They determine the third and the fourth planet in the solar system are the most likely as having some sort of life on it. Third planet, of course, being Mars. And they're like, uh, well, let's keep going. They sweep the sensors towards Earth. And as soon as they hit it, like everything just lights up. Like there's so much data coming from Earth. There's sound and images and rhythmic noises. And they're like, Earth is generating thousands of times more data than the entire Yerk Empire. And it's so much that they can't even, like, start making heads or tails of of it. They're like, we have to go in. We have to find somebody to help us because, like, this is so much information that I don't know what any of it means. Which is, I can really relate to that. (laughs) Um, Seriously. That's just, that's the internet. (laughs) That is the internet. You get on, you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) So, uh, SM and Visor 1 decide they're going to go down. They kind of pick a place they're like well let's just go to the dark side of the planet to take advantage of what we think is night blindness because they see that humans do have like lights artificial lights that they create They're like i guess we'll be under better cover at night i don't know we'll try it so then they scan the air which i appreciate them actually like checking that it's breathable for the hork berserks they're not totally sure um it's just something that rarely happens in sci-fi <laughs> yes just step out and Hope for the best. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, it is breathable, too much oxygen, but they can stand it. They open the hatch and they get off the ship. And Visor One is like, this is a momentous occasion. This is my planet. Like, I did this. They then spray some weird crap in their eyes that gives them night vision, which is crazy. And I would <laughs> like that, please. Um Then they start creeping towards where they know some people are. So they start approaching, but they don't really see humans. They see some odd dome thing and a human head, but, like, it doesn't have any limbs. They're like, what the fuck is happening? And then one pops up, and they're like, oh, it is a human, but they're crouched down in some sort of hole. And then explosions all around them. Like, things just start blowing up. They realize they can hear these whistles coming in, and then, like, more shit just keeps blowing up in a line. And Esim is like, oh, my God, we're under attack. They know we're here. 
This is the end. And then uh, that's when Visor One is like, wait a minute. You haven't noticed there's human limbs everywhere, <laughs> which is how Visor One notices that they're not under attack. Other humans are. So yep. I really liked. Well, I mean, I didn't like, obviously, I'm not like, yay, gore. But I liked <laughs> the description of like, they see these things on the ground and they look just like torsos, but then it stands up and it has legs. And then later, yeah. after like parts of humans come flying at them, it's like just a human torso. And it's just a nice Ugh, kind of yeah. like continuity thing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Like, oh, that's what it looks like yeah. by itself. We thought we saw that before. Yeah. No, now we have. Yeah. It was nicely yeah. written there. I also, like, again, not enjoyed necessarily, but more like the idea of, okay, so we know that yurks kill each other indiscriminately, just like if they see something out of turn, and they don't think very much of it, but like, still, they were horrified by the idea of humans making war with each other. They were like, wait, what? Why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense. Like, sure, you might, I don't know, off your inferior if they say something sideways to you, but like making war with them that's crazy yeah that's like something every alien species that we've had that the ability to get that perspective on like it's Mm -hmm. they've all like made some comment about that and i think that that's a really awesome point um and it really adds to this next chapter coming up here too so yeah (laughs) except for the helmicrons (laughs) except the helmicrons the helmicrons did not they didn't have the capacity. It's <laughs> true, but they can, I th- also all the other aliens think of Helmicrons as a joke. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the Helmicrons get a name drop in this book. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that part. Yes. Uh, all right. So they see these scattered limbs and torsos and blah, blah, blah near them, and they take off back towards their ship. They're like, "Oh my god, we have got to get out of here. This is nuts." And uh, they're like, oh, no, the ship is gone. And then SM sees that it's actually just slid into a crater that was caused by one of the explosions. And so the ship is damaged, but not completely broken. Um, SM has to use some override code to get the hatch to finally open. And they eventually get in. So SM, like, rushes in, like, oh, my God, we've got to get out of here. This is crazy. And Visor 1 just, like, climbs on top of the ship to get a better view of the destruction all around her. And, like... Asim's like, get in here. And like, Visor One is just watching this line of tanks and cars and helicopters and like watching them blow shit up and like is just astounded by like the amount of chaos going on around her. And so finally she she gets back into the ship and Asim is like, well, are they a class five? And Visor One's like, I I, I don't think so. I think, or I think they are a class five. I don't think they're class four. And I, I think I have an idea of how to conquer them. I don't know. Which is a fun conversation. <laughs> right. Uh, You're right, because that's like the, the central, well, not theme. What is the word I'm looking for? That's like her whole point. Like, they need it to be a class five so they can conquer them. Because if they're a class four, like the Andalites, it means that they're a threat and mm-hmm. can't become hosts. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, this, the only way that they're going to live, like, it's stressed throughout the books, is if this is a class five. Because yes. otherwise they're, they've stolen a ship for no reason. Right. Which is punishable by death, I assume. Like so many things. Like so many things. <laughs> like so many other minor transgressions. <laughs> uh, so, um, SM took all night to fix the ship, but the following day they were airborne again. It's all cool. 
they're surveying the damage from the night before and they can just see all of this like scorched earth and pockmarks and just brutality around them. SM and Visor 1 are flying low because they're like, we don't have visual cloaking on our ship yet. That's kind of a new technology and we weren't like high enough to steal a ship with that. So um, they, they're radio cloaked, but not visually cloaked. And then they see a man in the desert that's like just walking and probably having a horrible time because as soon as he sees the ship, he starts waving his arms like thinking, oh my God, they're going to save me. This is great. Uh, and then they like land next to him. They open the hatch and the minute... <laughs> this man sees these two Horkbishers standing there in the hatch. He just turns around and starts to run. But he's nope. weak. Like, he's hurt and tired. And Visor One easily catches up to him. And once they have him, uh, Visor One orders Essam to hold this guy's head. And Essam is like, here? Now? What about your host body? Like, what are you doing? And Visor One weighs all of this. And she's like, well, the risk is worth it. I got to do this. So she disengages from the Horkbizer brain, and there's that terrible moment of vulnerability between the two hosts, which we've seen before is when, like, people can snatch them and stuff, and, like, that's when, like, either one of the hosts are uncontrolled and can make a move. Mm -hmm. uh, so Essam is very aware that, like, this could be the end for her, because the Horkbizer could react, the human could react, or, like, even Essam could kill her right now, because, you know, he's... He's got shit to lose, too, if this is wrong. But if it's right, he could also, like, profit a lot from finding the Class 5 species and taking credit and killing her. But lo and behold, she makes it through. The heat of the desert immediately dries out her slime layer in the transfer. But then she makes it into the human ear. And she's, like, crawling through all this crap and, like, pushing bones and skin aside. Ugh. And she's just thinking about how momentous this moment is. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, have we ever gotten like this kind of visceral of a description before of a year taking I over don't think so but i mean also she's like really relishing in it right because this is yeah. like the first time being mm -hmm. in a human so she's probably like let's let's talk about it in detail yeah the yeah, only other time i can like, think of is cassie's when she morphed into a yerk but i don't think it was that intense <laughs> right yeah, I don't think they mention, like, pushing aside bones and stuff before, uh, which is... <laughs> Sorry. Hate it. No, it's okay. <laughs> it would be worse if there were eyeballs. I have a thing about eyeballs. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. They, we, don't, we don't mess with the eyes, other than spraying the night vision in it, which is cool, and I like it. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I would like that. I want instant night vision. Whatever. It's like it's mace. It's, so it's nice. like the opposite of mace. It makes your... Yeah. Eyes better. Good, good mace. <laughs> yeah, it's good mace. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's how they brand it in the stores. Is on one side yeah. mace, right next to it, the good mace. <laughs> the good mace. Oh um. man. Um. So this is like probably the coolest Yerk takeover moment that I've mm -hmm. ever seen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. When Visor One gets in through the ear canal. There's this whole mention of, like, you know, moving... We'll skip over that. Casey doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then she starts to, like, plug into the different parts of the brain. And, like, the first part that, that she hits is sound, but it's not making any sense. Like, she can hear things, but, like, it's not... She can't put together what it is. So she starts pushing deeper and then finds the olfactory senses and is like, well, those aren't that good. So fuck the nose. We don't need to know anything about the nose. <laughs> Sense is stupid. Um, yeah, basically. She's like, that's weak. I don't want it. 
Um, so she starts hitting the brain and like she thinks that she's hit like the human brain and she's like, wait a minute, there's this chasm. And then she crosses the chasm and she starts hitting the other side of the brain where she's like, there's more sound and like she's like, this is a redundant system. And then the more like she gets into it, the the more she realizes it's completely different. Like these yeah there's crossover of sound like it's not like oh the left side of the brain handles all of the sound the right side handles vision or whatever both parts are talking to each other and this is allowing both parts to argue with each other and to see the same the different sides of the same argument and then visitor yes. one's like no wonder humans fight with each other they fight with themselves this whole race is insane yes i i actually um noted that because i was like the like the duality of human minds is like kind of almost foreshadowing Visser One's like own duality mm-hmm. as like mother or conqueror, etc. Like it's it feels very much like we're planting the seeds. Mm-hmm. This is the theme of the book. Like yes, I, yeah, I really like that. Oh, that's so awesome. I love all of this so much. <laughs> very same. Um, so yeah, so Visitor One continues to familiarize with this human body and starts looking through memories while Essam is flying low following the horticulture that's running. The poor thing never th- thought to conceal its footprints, so like they literally are just following its footprints through the desert area. Um, and Essam is very easily able to catch up to it, tie it up in the ship, and leave it in a corner moaning sadly. Oh. Uh, I know. Um, Visitor One is still distracted with all of the memories from this human. She's like parsing through all, like everything that he knows. And he finds out, or she finds out that he has a wife and children and that he was a house painter that was called into this war because they're desperate to get people there. This country just threw itself into a war that it wasn't prepared for. Um, and then like, that's when she starts commenting on more of the duality there. Like he's scared to die, but he's proud of being a soldier and he's proud to like, die that way and have his son know that like or his sons uh, know that he was a soldier and um visitor one kind of explores that for a while is a little thrown off by how much of the human world is surrounding their children uh and then once uh-huh. she gets all the information she needs from this dude she's like okay i'm gonna go back to my hork body and esam's like okay are you sure and she's like yeah this guy's on the losing side of the war so we got to get the fuck out of here and get to america where they win america (laughs) it was basically like yeah england france and like i she said some other country in america are all in this war but israel yeah yeah is this the gulf war i I think think so yeah it's whatever one they said in the ship right before they landed yeah operation desert storm or whatever yeah, okay. there yeah. it is. Yeah, I don't. I'm not even gonna comment on anything about this war. <laughs> it was in the mid nineties, I think. Yeah, early. Yeah, I was. I was like two or three. I was too busy watching yeah. Little Mermaid. Okay, late eighties, early nineties. I don't know. Yeah. Oh gosh, Bush. I think. Anyway, all I know is we have a dear friend that will correct us on Reddit if I say anything about this. <laughs> so I'm going to say nothing. <laughs> uh, oh boy. What's the saying like I'd rather like it's better to close your mouth and be thought an idiot than open your mouth and prove it? <gasps> Whoa, I've never heard one? that. Really? I have and listen, I already just threw out some random guesses about when Desert Storm <laughs> happened. I stand by that. <laughs> okay. 
There you go. I appreciate that. I really like standing. As you know, as a fan of Rachel, I really enjoy just making a point and standing by it, right or wrong. Yeah. Whether or not I was absolutely wrong, which I probably was, it's But you said it with authority, and that's all that matters. (laughs) That's how politicians get away with stuff. Oh, damn. (laughs) Speaking of politicians, this memory dump fades away. So the first thing that happens is Visitor 3 is like, why do we have to sit through all of this? And they're like, dude, because you said you wanted to see this. And the council's like, <laughs> this is your idea, you stupid. <laughs> this is your fucking idea, Visitor 3. And uh, and then Visitor 3 is like, well, the early days, I can just like say whatever's on the record. We can just gloss right over it. And the council goes, so when, no, if you're on trial, Visitor 3, you'll really appreciate us watching all of your evidence, too. And that's, like, the council subtly warning him, you two are on trial here, my dude. My <laughs> yeah. Dude. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then the council agrees to adjourn for a short break so they can chill for 15 to 20 minutes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just I don't know. Short recess. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, we're just going to go walk around for a bit, stretch our legs. This has been an intense memory dump. Taxons um, probably need more food. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, probably. The Horkbiger eventually do. Apparently not this run, but at some point. Um, and Visitor 3 is, like, going to be super nice here. He's like, oh, I remember humans have to eat. So he brings Visitor 1 a glass of water, a head of lettuce, and two raw eggs. And she's like... <laughs> How can you be so dumb? (laughs) She's like, this is why you are no further in taking over the planet than when you first landed here. Oh my god. I just, I love that she's just like, you've been here forever. How do you know humans just don't eat a head of lettuce and raw? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Yep. I was like, do you even have a refrigerator? Like, what's going on? It's like he looked at one of those like flashcards that showed you like what do people buy at the grocery store and it was like lettuce and two eggs and he's like a meal fantastic <laughs> they have a cafeteria in the York pool yeah. like what I don't ugh this yeah. three my goodness and also just speaking of that cafeteria and what they serve. Every single one of those yerks should be bodybuilders with that diet that they have going on <laughs> yeah. there. It's amazing. Right? Perfect. Right? So where did like, he even oh. get two raw eggs and a head of lettuce in this place? <laughs> <laughs> is he trolling her or is he incompetent? Oh, I don't he know. could be trolling her. Oh, you can never tell true. with this or three. Because, like, lettuce is mostly water, and you can't really eat raw eggs without risking getting sick. So maybe he is trolling her. You know, I don't. I honestly don't know. Oh. Yeah, I don't know either. I hope he's trolling her, because this is real sad if he's not. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, she only drinks the water. Yeah, she only drinks the water, because... She's being tortured for weeks on end and is very thirsty. <laughs> um, and then Visitor 3, like, switches tactics. And he's like, hey, man, why were we never allies? Like, we could have taken over this place together as friends. And then, like, Visitor 1 almost drops the water that she's holding in shock. She's like, 
dude, I know you're recording this interaction and you're just trying to get me to say something treasonous because nobody can hear you and your fucking thought speech. So, like, I know you're just trying to, like, get me. And then Visitor 3 realizes he's caught. And, like, at that moment, the council, like, pops back into the room. <laughs> God. Like, it's, yeah. Just no subtlety. No. None. Oh, he's so bad at it. He is. He is. He he is. And also, I like. Not only is he bad at it, but a shout out to like Visor One, who, with all of this other extraneous shit going on, anything that would dismiss an Earth trial, like broken bones and torture and that sort of shit, still being able to stand yeah. there and like say her piece right. is like really cool. Yeah, I was shocked at how like articulate she was throughout this book. Like, she's yeah. talking for hours on end, pretty much, and they're sitting through hours of this, like, memory dump, and she's, like, very physically not well, but she's handling it. I was like, yeah, props, she's... man. Yeah. She is highly competent. Yes. So. <laughs> Which, Which is, is scary in a villain, but also she's a very compelling to read. She's a great villain. Yeah, she she's an amazing villain. And like, especially after like what Casey said earlier, when we saw her last time, it was like, well, I have a ship to uncloak. Well, I have a bigger ship to uncloak. Like, (laughs) it was that bullshit. (laughs) And like to see her here is so much more impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Visitor 3 just like brings her down a notch in my book. I can see that. (laughs) Like, I'm like, you're so great, except when you're arguing with Visitor 3 and then you sound like children, but whatever. Yeah, he, like, he really drags her into it, I think. Yeah. Like, he's, even though he's really incompetent, he is a polarizing figure. Mm -hmm. So I can buy some of it being that he just, like, is very good at, like, kind of needling out the insane shit out of people. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'll give him that. (laughs) He's good at being irritating. (laughs) He's very good at being irritating. He's very good at being loud. Like it, it's like when you're arguing with a kid and they're just like, but why, but why, but why? Until you say something dumb. Like that's what he's good at. (laughs) And then he's like, ha, that was dumb. And you're like, shut up. You don't know anything. (laughs) Who looks stupid now? You do. Exactly. Just frustrated people on his way up the ladder. Very frustrating. Which works for him against Visitor 1, but it totally does not work for him against the council. The council's like, shut up, dude. Like, you're (laughs) so fucking annoying. You're only here because you have an Andalite host body, you asshole. (laughs) You did this one cool thing once. You're still coasting off of that. Yeah. <laughs> You're riding your own coattails in a giant circle, you <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, man. Ay, ay, ay. So, um, anyways, the council dials back into this shit show. <laughs> this Google chat. <laughs> this this G chat. Yeah. <laughs> That is good that there was no lag time between the council yeah. and the trial. <laughs> There's so, like one guy who was like, "Oh, I'm having connection problems. Can you guys see me? Can you, is my mic on?" Like <laughs> the one like Taxon stops moving completely and is frozen in one position while everybody else just keeps going. <laughs> and then some other asshole suddenly has like glasses and a mustache floating where their face is generally. You're like, "How did I do this?" <laughs> oh my God, I love it. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I would love to watch that scenario happen in a trial. <laughs> this is like the SNL skit of this scene. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Oh. Anyways, um so they're back they go back into the memory dump from the time where SM and Visor 1 were spending time above Earth. And this was the point where their supplies are starting to run dangerously low. They've been studying the data that's coming from Earth for a long time and trying to parse through it. And uh, they're like, we either have to land or die, I guess. So Essam's like, I will need water within a few hours. We find out Visitor One just drank all the water, God. being the super nice person that she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to like just process what's going on. And they're having troubles deciding whether or not they want to land mostly because the data they're getting is so confusing so they're like okay they have like this we know it is a bow and arrow but they're like you know the stick thing that they pull back on a string and that fires they have some like primitive combustion weapon that like shoots things at people at high speeds then they have a nuclear bomb which is kind of scary but then also they have this crazy weapon called a phaser that just like <laughs> uses concentrated light to blow people off they're like so we don't know what their weapons are like. And then they're like, okay, so like they go really slow. They have all these slow methods of transport, but then they can travel six times the speed of light, which like none of us can do. That's really advanced. <laughs> oh, so like, <laughs> it's just awesome. Like Star Trek almost ruined the invasion of Earth. <laughs> oh, that great. Right? right? That, what if they just left now? They're like, listen, they got phasers. We're fucking out. Like, we can't do this. Warp speed? What? Yeah, Yeah, warp speed. And, like, they're, like, they established that warp is, like, a measure of light. So six? That's crazy. (laughs) It's awesome. Just awesome. So then they're, like, okay, we know that there are four main cities that are the most important places in America. So we have to just pick one at random. And they have... New York, Washington, D.C., D.E.E., C.E.E., L.A., E.L.L.A.Y., or Hollywood. <laughs> and they're like, from from the data we've gathered, Hollywood's the most important. So they pick that one. <laughs> also, they basically say that Canada is arbitrary. They do. They do say, they're like, Canada is an arbitrary border. And then they say, like, Mexico is only separated by an unimportant Oop. river. <laughs> She's right. <laughs> Which is my favorite assessment of how Canada and Mexico came to be of all time. God. <laughs> Dang, yurks. Yeah. This, this is really rough. As the Canadian here, with all of my good friend co-workers being in Mexico, I have to say, this is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Hollywood, you guys. So <laughs> this is the other great part. They're like, we got to go to Hollywood because that's the most important. And then they fly down and there's literally the giant Hollywood sign. They're like, oh, yes, almost as if they expected us to land here. (laughs) We've made it to Hollywood. (laughs) There it is right there. Excellent. Ah, They labeled it for us in giant letters. Fantastic. Couldn't possibly get lost. So um, SM and Visor 1 land and they're like creeping out this nearby dwelling and they can see that there's a pool of water in the backyard and they measure it and like, oh, you could put like 10,000 yurks in here. I I don't know what that means. I'm assuming it's a large pool, (laughs) whatever. 
So they brush past some sticks that they think may have been a primitive fence. And I don't know if these are bushes or they straight up knocked down some like wood fence here. (laughs) I like to think it's that one. that They just knocked down a wooden fence. I do too. I really like to think they just like slash it down. Like we're here, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then they get in there and... They're like, oh, look, there's the pool. SM, go drink water because you're about to die. So he starts to drink water. I know. I'm going, no. Uh, (laughs) As he starts drinking, a scantily clad human female pops out the other end of the pool. And then SM grabs his face and he's like, it's burning. It's burning. And this woman is like totally unsurprised that they're there. She's like, oh, the studio sent you guys. And then like... Essam is clutching his face, going like, oh, it burns, it burns. She's like, oh, the pool guy was here earlier today. He always overdoes it with the chlorine. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I was just saying, like, just completely chill at, you know, <laughs> yeah. giant aliens. Yeah. Ain't no she thing. had nothing to be concerned about with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then my favorite part happens, which is right here. <laughs> Which is where she casually mentions the guys inside making drinks. And then Visitor 1 goes, are you female? And she, like, grabs her boobs and, like, twists around being like, I hope I'm female. I was like, what? It was the weirdest fucking thing. Pressing some portions forward aggressively. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like, all right. Man, so good. And I, like, I can just picture it so clearly as well. I just know this person. Anyways, uh, so the man comes out of the house with drinks, and SM and Visor One are like having a short discussion about like what host do you want? I'll like I'll take the chick, you take the dude. Visor One's like I'm taking the chick because like the guy is older and not as limber, and they're like okay, and like the dude is totally unconcerned. He's like who are these guys? And the chick's like oh the studio sent them. He's like oh makes sense. Right up until the point when SM and Visor 1 pounce on this chick and, again, hold their heads together so Visor 1 can get from the hork host into the human. And the dude is like, I'm calling the police and my lawyer and runs inside. So for a brief few moments, he's free. And then SM takes over him. And by the time the police show up, it's just the two people there because they have Draken beamed the hork into nothing. Rude. Those poor hork I felt bad for them, but yeah, it's kind of better than the alternative that they do later in the book. I don't really know. I shouldn't assert that. What? Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of dis disregarding host bodies in this book. Yeah, it gets serial killery pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Visitor 3 quickly realizes she's taken over this girl named Jenny, which I kept reading as Jenny, but there's no reason for that. There's no call for that. Six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Oh my god, that would be so awesome if all of their Yerk numbers matched up to eight, six, seven, five, three, oh nine. Oh, they don't, oh, but it would be really damn cool. Damn it, that would be great. Yes. Oh. Anyways. Jenny has nothing happening in her life. She calls herself an actress, but she's like, this was a very bleak view on people that go to Hollywood to act. It was <laughs> real sad. It was, it was very also, sad. A little cliche, but also it was the 90s, so I'm gonna let it slide. It's not the worst we've seen from Animorphs. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, she's just this like depressing girl from Arkansas who's never had a real job, has never worked in her life, and was addicted to some mind-altering chemicals. I think they meant like coke ecstasy. What are we thinking they meant? Probably coke or something like I don't know trendy drugs in the nineties. Yeah, I was about to so, say. I think coke was pretty trendy in the nineties. Yeah, especially in like you know I'm assuming the Hollywood scene. Probably thinking I would say coke. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, I I thought it might have been ecstasy, but I don't know why. I just made that assumption everything I, i'm just not cool in the drug world guys i just don't know <laughs> well it's also an addictive drug is ecstasy addictive oh good question i don't know. i don't know yeah. <laughs> well let me google it we're really not doing well for <laughs> drug facts here guys is... we need a resident drug expert they weren't as um, <laughs> shall not be named they weren't as uh PSA about about this particular drug user. I feel like mm-hmm. they didn't mention like like oh I did some research and drugs are actually really bad for you kids. <laughs> they literally at one point are like it's easier to control this host when she's on drugs yeah. because her brain is like a hollow shell so we don't care. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you're supposed to like it infer it because it's a villain. Uh, yeah. But, like, the coolest drop in here, though, is at one point, Visor 1 goes, we considered starting the invasion with drug addicts because they were so easy to control, but then we're like, they didn't do anything with their lives, so we dismissed it. <laughs> it was it was a real, real rough. <laughs> yeah. It's really sad, but, like, it was an interesting, yeah. from the Yerk perspective, it's interesting that right. we thought about starting there. Mm-hmm. Um, research has not definitively answered whether or not MDMA is addictive. Hmm. So we don't know. Done now. Done now. Gone with coke. Done now. Don't do drugs. Don't do don't, the drugs. Don't do It'll the drugs. It'll make you a controller, maybe. <laughs> Susceptible to becoming a controller. Yes. Yeah. It'll make it easy to make you a controller. Do you want that? Do you? Yeah. Do you want that? Do you want it to be easy for you to be a controller? No. <laughs> Take it from us, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, we shouldn't spew propaganda either. They also go into cults too, so we should just let's just back out of all okay. of this carefully. Fair, fair point. <laughs> Hitting the reverse. Yeah. <laughs> so Visitor One gets this really interesting perspective because she has inhabited this like really kind of easy to control chick that has nothing going on, is addicted to drugs, blah blah blah. Meanwhile, Assam is like, this host has had multiple jobs and experiences, and he mentions, like, my host wasn't originally from this country, he came from somewhere else where he had nothing, and he experienced something worse than what a taxon would bear, but we don't ever find out what that is. I was thinking- Okay, so- Go ahead. Holocaust? Yeah, I was thinking Holocaust. Okay, same. Uh, yeah, I I was thinking that, or just another war-ravaged, like, mm-hmm. you know- Something terrible like that, where war has come in and caused him to be, like, homeless or tortured or yeah. put in bad situations. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was I was trying to do the math to try and figure out, like, oh, how old could this guy be if, you know, maybe it was the Holocaust. But then I also remembered that I'm bad at math, because, again, I did think that 2019 was 10 years ago. <laughs> no. So... Um, or wait, 2019, was ten years ago. Again, math. <laughs> it's hard, and it's year math, so it's not even real math. It's hard. 
<laughs> but like, let's say, so what? Her son is seven. So back at, so let's say, ten years ago that this was happening. This book was published in 1999. So it was 89. So the guy. Being a successful Hollywood producer in his what did they say fifties? So was yeah, older. it could have been mm-hmm. the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, that was like nineteen forty or so. Forties, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that could have been his childhood. That sucks. So back again, another Holocaust drop in Animorphs books. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Oh man, Jeff, save me. So, anyways, <laughs> who's Jeff? Uh, he's our our buddy that gives us all the war facts. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Oh, Cassowary Morph. Yeah, Cassowary Morph. Wait, should we drop his Reddit handle here and his real name? Oh, um, I don't know. That's what I editing don't, is he for. He cross-posted. It's fine. Yeah. Delete, delete everything. <laughs> Anyways, um, Asim gets a very different view of humans than Visitor 1 initially gets. And this causes a lot of tension between the two of them later in the books. Uh, and even now, Asim is like... There's not a lot of weakness here. Like, people are really strong. And my host, his he thinks that the way to move forward in this world is to get people to laugh. And, like, you know, they're he's really a strong dude. And Visitor 1 disagrees. She's like, they are weak with few strengths, not strong with few weaknesses. And that's when we cut out of that memory. <laughs> and Visitor 1 is kind of, like, basking in the afterglow of reliving that memory because that was one of the first moments where she saw this very bright future and this very clear plan for taking over Earth. And Visitor 3 just immediately jumps on her and starts accusing her of being incorrect and underestimating humans. And Visitor 1 goes, well, no, I, I wasn't completely right at first. Like, my initial assessment wasn't totally correct when all I had was the soldier and Jenny. But... When I left Earth, I left it in prime position to be taken over, and you fucked it up. And uh, then Visitor 3 argues, he's like, that was before the Andalites left a special weaponized force of highly trained fighters on Earth. (laughs) A.K.A. six children. Yeah, six children. (laughs) And that is all. Uh, and Visitor 1 considers doing the exact same thing we just did to the council right now, being like, yes, highly trained children, and some of them human. Sure, whatever. And then uh, Ava's kind of like, yeah, do it. Say something to the council. But Visitor 1's like, no, no, good. (laughs) So Visitor 3 continues to accuse her of treason. Visitor 1 argues back, and then it gets heated and and more heated until finally Visitor 1 raises his tail blade and snaps it towards her. She throws herself to the ground, re-breaking bones that haven't healed properly. (sighs) Yeah. And that's about the moment that she realizes he wasn't aiming at her, she was aiming at these two Hork-Bajur who had started attacking. And then she hears the roar of a tiger, (gasps) and Visitor 3 goes, The Andalite bandits are here! And a tiger and a grizzly bear. The bandalites have come! (laughs) Um, a tiger and a grizzly bear bust into the room. So Ava's watching this battle go down and she's terrified, right? Because she's just a weak, very broken human right now in the middle of all of this chaos of things that can actually fight. And um, she starts looking around for the other two bandalites. She's like, they always travel in sixes. And then she goes on a little bit about like how there's usually one Andalite with them. Nobody really knows if it's because they need them to know that they're the Andalites or he's kind of like the banner that they wave, like we're going to battle or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, my boy. I know, your little Axie boy. <laughs> my boy, my son. <laughs> your, your gentle blue, child. Your sweet son. summer child. Your little blue boy. <laughs> anyway. 
And Visitor One needs to look like she isn't rooting for the Bandalites, so she goes to a fallen Horkvisher, takes his gun, and fires it towards the tiger. But the shot misses because, like, her bone is at an angle that makes it not a straight shot. Oh my god. <laughs> She's so broken. Please heal her. I mean, not, again, her, but yeah. Ava. So. Poor Ava. Yeah. <laughs> Just having to deal with all of this shit. Oh, right. Um, and then she watches the tiger turn and slash the bear's face. And she, like, hesitates for a second. She's like, wait a minute. And then she watches the Horkbizer that are going after Visor 3. And the look of betrayal on one of the Horkbizer's face before he slashes it down. And that's when she realizes, like, oh my god, this asshole just shoved a starving tiger and bear into the room with us. These wild fucking animals and ordered two Horkbizer to attack him. So then Visor 3, like, cuts off the tiger's head, somebody shoots the bear, the Horkbizer are killed, and Visor 3 is like, look at that, neatly tied up, I've killed all the Andalites. Oh, you unsettled fuck. <laughs> God. Uh, <sighs> just, the the lack of foresight by Visor 3 is truly astounding. Fucking child man. He's such an idiot. <laughs> like, he's just so dumb, like... <sighs> I'll like get he, some wild okay. animals to come in and attack us. Yeah, the uh, wild, like, but also, it's not like the Andalites would never attack again. So he still has to report back to the council that they're still on Earth. Yeah. This ruse yeah. would never have worked. Uh, I just, I get so frustrated with him. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> And this is about the point that Visor One's like, I wish I were a traitor so I could call the Animorphs to come and expose this fucking ruse. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. This is about the time that Visor Three has a law and order moment and he's like, I'm going to call a surprise witness to the trial. <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> so Visor Three calls to the stand a homeless man with a greasy, stringy beard who people all call Spacey. <laughs> This guy's like looking around the courtroom like that's that's an andalite. Do you see, do you see that guy? Do you see this? I'm not the only one see that's a that's a fucking andalite, right? Oh my god, Horkbizer. I know what those are. Like he's so astounded that all of these things that he talks about are finally here in front of him. And uh Visor wants like laughing. She's like, "What is the meaning of bringing a homeless earthman in here?" And Visor 3 is like, "He is a witness, and I promise him a bottle of alcohol if he tells the truth." And the man's like, oh, okay, like, I, I guess. And so he starts, like, talking about his time on Earth. And Visor 3 is like, do you know Essam? And the man's like, yeah, I was infested for a ton of years by Essam. He was, like, a friend of mine. And that's fucking weird. And then he goes, yeah. do you know Edris562? And the guy's like, oh, my God, Allison Kim. Essam was in love with her. That's great. And uh, this is where this homeless guy reveals the largest plot twist in the series he, they have had two children together. Bibis. Edris and Essam. Da-da-da. Babies. Yup. They like, had babies. They had babies? How is two. baby formed? <laughs> How girl well, get pregnant? When one Yurk loves another Yurk, who's also a human, <laughs> was that human? Oh, no. I was just going, oh, I hope boy. everyone was on board with this, because otherwise those poor hosts. Yeah. Ugh. And, like, so that, okay, not to, like, 
just it's it's coming up in like the next chapter but the weirdest part was they were all on board with yeah it. yeah oh this gets <sighs> real real interesting i yeah. also feel like now i'm kind of like skipping forward too but i wonder if they just already had a supply of candrona rays but they're just like i don't know figured out a way to make all four of them work just Raise two kids together, still be fine. They're not starving. They don't need to. I don't. Again, I'm skipping ahead, but maybe, maybe, probably not. Maybe, I don't know. Probably not. She's too ambitious. Well, there's nothing wrong with an ambitious woman, but <laughs> when you're also a mass murderer, maybe ambition's a little bit of a bad yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Like ambitious, not to the level of murder good once yeah. you start murdering not good i, I yeah. wish mass that's, murderers that's were great. less ambitious personally <laughs> yes <sighs> i shouldn't joke about that's that a... <laughs> man if serial killers just on a friday night could ramp it down a notch oh, that would be really nice <laughs> oh god oh. Uh, man yeah it yeah. Yeah, Visor One. She's a special cookie here. Yes. Um, so, Visor One is stunned, and Eva is outraged. She's like, How the fuck could you make children just to be enslaved? What is wrong with you? Like, you, I, you were evil before, and now you're at a level that I cannot even comprehend. And. Visor One's hesitating because she's dealing with this onslaught of her own emotions about her children and also Ava's attack in her mind and also Visor Three like gloating and going on about it. And she tells the council that they indeed pro they did indeed procreate. Uh, and the council's like, well, we got to hear this. Like, you've got to tell us this story. And yeah. Visor One's like, I can practically hear my own screams from Visor Three's torture chamber at this point. Oh, no. At this point... I think we go back into another memory dump. There's parts of this that, like, Wizard 1 is telling, and some of it that we just kind of skip back into a memory dump. At this point, I think it... Yeah, at this point, I think it's still a memory dump. I didn't write it down, of course. I was taking so many notes, and yet I missed this. <laughs> I think it might be a memory dump. I... I... Maybe. Yeah, I can't... I can't remember this. It might have been, or maybe it was a... Uh, Ava experiencing it from Visor One's perspective. Well, Visor One talked it out. There are so many like perspective switches in this book, and I I was yeah. reading the PDF version, so like it's not like completely accurate. Like some things are in brackets, uh, and other things are in quotes, and other things are in just like regular text. And so I was oh, that's very confusing. Yeah, I was just like, arr, arr, I'm just gonna take it as it comes, I guess. Even reading the book, there was a moment where. Um, where Ava and Visor One start talking, and they don't, it just goes into a conversation, but they don't, like, lead into it, like, Ava said this, or Ava was watching this, and it was a response. It literally just jumps from, like, description, 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 conversation, and it, like, I inferred eventually that it was Ava and Visor One talking, but it took me, like, eight to ten sentences before I, like, was like, oh, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. that's what's happening. Yeah, same. Yeah, it was very hard, especially when there was a lot of like chaotic scenes happening because it was like Visor 3 saying this, but then there's a whole other narrative happening in here and like it's it's all over the place. You know what I did appreciate, though, hmm. is that there are times where Ava and Visor 1 are like communicating with each other 
and then one of the council will be like, why the fuck are you pausing so long? Like, I asked you a <laughs> yes. question. I liked that, that they were acknowledging the time skips instead of it just being like, Sailor Moon is Immediate. in the middle of fighting a battle and then she transforms <laughs> into Sailor Moon for five minutes, but like no time has passed in real life, you know? Right. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Sorry, I made a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with you today, Casey? <laughs> I need food. She's a hungry girl. I am. How much food do you have next to I you? I don't is know. My question. <laughs> I don't know. See now uh, I want now I want food. I'm but I'm gonna wait. No, it's fine. It it wouldn't be an animal synonymous podcast if Casey didn't eat one time I'm sorry. on the show. <laughs> don't be Listen, sorry. That's like that that axe energy. I like yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I'm just waiting for the day that we get sponsored by Cinnabon, even though they never sponsored Animorphs, somehow they'll find our dinky show and sponsor us. <laughs> and Casey will have to eat one every episode. <laughs> I like it. Honestly, that sounds like a willing sacrifice. Great sacrifice to me. Yeah. Right? We'll make sure, just because of what you said, that if we have a guest on, that they too get a Cinnabon every time. Perfect. Somehow. I don't know how it'll work because there's not Cinnabons everywhere, but we'll make it. I don't even know the last time I've seen a Cinnabon that wasn't in an airport. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're only in airports and malls. Yeah. There's no standalone Cinnabons. Yeah. Which is stupid. There should be a Cinnabon like food truck. Yes. They'd make fucking bank. Oh my god. Yeah, I would totally pick that over an ice cream truck any day of the right? week. Absolutely. Yeah. Cinnabon, get on this shit. Can you imagine the cinnamon smell like wafting oh as they drive god. down the road? Right? Mm. Oh, man. Anyway. What a weird dream we just all had. <laughs> I like that journey we went on, though. Mm-hmm. That was great. <laughs> I did, too. That was that was a good walkabout. Uh, so anyways... um. We're in some sort of recap here, and uh, we hear about Visor One staying as Jenny for a while, and how Essam lived as Lowenstein, who was a producer that we learned about, uh, and they were just learning about humans, and Jenny was, like, showing Visor One the underbelly of society, while Essam got to go, like, work on a fun comedy TV show every day and have, like, a real cool time, and... Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Visor One's buying drugs in the alleyway. <laughs> uh, so they they were like, well, we need better host bodies because these ones are kind of hard to deal with. So they took Allison Kim and Hildy Gervais. And that's when the homeless dude's like, Hildy Gervais is my real name. And Visor One's like, cool. So anyways, here's how this <laughs> happened. <laughs> So Jenny stuck around Lowenstein for a while. They lived in like the mansion house together because they wanted to stay together, obviously, as the two Yerks on Earth. And uh, they went to a bunch of parties, like cast parties, production parties, whatever. And at one of these parties, Visor One saw Allison, who was not a drug addict. She was like a scientist and a creative person and everything that Jenny was not. And she's like, that chick, she's fucking cool. I want to be her. So they're in this pool together at this party. And Visor One's like, I see my chance to strike. She grabbed Allison when she was still Jenny and made it look like they're having like some play game where she's like, I'm going to dunk Allison. Super cool. But as soon as she pulls Allison underwater, she punches her in the stomach, slams her in the side of the head, and then like forces their ears together underwater. And uh, this is also the time that that Visor One mentions they long ago stopped using chlorine in this pool. Uh, and then Visor One transfers from one body to the other and holds on for as long as she possibly can. 
But the last connection she has with Jenny's body, she orders her to breathe. Ugh. And then Visor One goes over into Allison's body. Yikes. As soon as Visor One took over Allison's body, she forces her to drag Jenny up to the surface and make an attempt to resuscitate her, which of course fails as it had to. Yes. I was just going to say that that part where she like, you know, holds on to her control of Jenny for uh, as long as possible at the very last minute and then like gives her that one last command to breathe was just Mm -hmm. chilling reading it. Yes. It was written so well. Yeah. It was like I think of the entire series. I think of all the times that like people have been injured or killed and like how we've read it. And it's always kind of being subtle and this Mm -hmm. one was like it was so chilling because it was like the first moment of like she actively just murdered this person fully aware of what she did Mm -hmm. it was intense like using her own body against her basically yeah yeah and then the making an attempt to resuscitate her too like knowing she was gonna do it wrong Mm -hmm. so she died Hey, Andalite Bandalites. So that was the kind of depressing note that we decided to end on here. Uh, and I realize that this part one of Visor is a little bit shorter than our normal episodes, which run right up against our two-hour time limit. Uh, and this one's going to be closer to like an hour and a half. Um, I promise it's only because this felt like a natural ending point, and part two of Visor will be our normal episode length. So don't worry i guess or rejoice that it's shorter or whatever whatever it is that you 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 feel you've got going on so now i get the distinct pleasure of doing the outros completely on my own which is always a fun fun experiment for me but um this week i'm particularly excited about it so uh when when casey leaves me alone i i get to play in the space so uh you of course i'm sure at this point know our normal places to go you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash anonymous i don't know if that'll work i don't know if that url will work um but the one that will work is facebook.com slash group slash anonymous that's our super secret super awesome andalite bandalites group that has been really fun these past few weeks like really picking up a lot of good conversations a lot of fun talking to people so thank you everybody that's in there um, and to the few people who aren't in there, and I know I've, I've heard from a couple of you via email, like I don't have Facebook, which, um, is really impressive. I'm, I'm jealous of you, but, <laughs> uh, thank you guys just for being in the group and having fun with us or sending me emails if you're not in the group and, and just talking to me. It's awesome. I appreciate all of it. And if you want to send me emails, that can happen at, uh, anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter, which is at anon, and an Instagram where you can see all my terrible images that I make for each episode, which is at anonymous on Instagram. Uh, Casey normally does the podcatchers, but I know we're on Podbean, uh, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes, we're on Podcast Republic. Uh, we're on Google Play. I don't know. We're everywhere. We're all over the internet now. We've we've hit every every part of the internet that could possibly happen. That's our that's our normal thing. So now um, I'm gonna take us off the rails of what we normally do, and one thank our guest for this episode, Myesha. Seriously, thank you so much. It was so much fun recording with you guys. And uh, normally here is where we'd start plugging stuff for guests and Casey. So I want to do that. And I want to talk to you guys seriously about it. Casey Casey doesn't hear this before this is going up. This is just going to go up without her knowledge. So this is between us. This is, this is our secret time where we can talk about things. 
So Casey does a webcomic. It's called Beside You. And she normally gives a URL here. It's just B, the letter B, side U. And uh, it is awesome. She has a Patreon for it where you can like get behind the scenes stuff. It's on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but it's uh, really cool. She posts a lot of stuff about how she does the drawings and like how she creates each one of the images and doing things like she did one really cool one, which was like a layout of the school and how she used actual like pictures and like building things to like lay out how it would go and it's just a really awesome heartfelt comic about music and romance and high school and it's just a really fun nostalgia trip like just to kind of get those feelings back of like high school college days where your whole future's ahead of you it's awesome and incorporating music into it is fantastic and since I've known Casey, I have always adored her drawing style. But seriously, she's that good. It's amazing. So for sure, follow Casey's comic. It's amazing. Now, I want to talk about Maisha's comic, which I don't know as much about. But she plugs it at the end of our regular episode. Uh, so I'm sure I won't do it justice here. But um, I've got to talk about it. And I have to talk about it now. It is called The Substitutes. Uh, the URL that you can go to is thesubstitutescomic.com. I started reading it after recording the episode because I was like, I've got to check this out. And the I haven't gotten too far into the story, but one, it's amazing, first of all. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but very cool historical stuff, very cool fantasy stuff, very cool portals. And I have to just talk for like 10 to 15 minutes. I swear, that's it about how amazing her world building shots are like the drawing style that she uses is so incredible in this and like the way that she plays with light in her comic and just the styling of it is incredible and earthreal and beautiful so like you have got to check this out you've got to check both of these comics out because they are both amazing Casey and Maisha are amazing artists amazing people obviously excellent podcasting friends but seriously check out their comics they are so cool so this has been our fun secret time where we talk amongst ourselves about things that we love and i love their comics so much so um thank you guys so much for listening we will be back this is again this is our our visor like chronicles and like megamorphs kind of thing so this is where we do our thing where we pretend that we're a weekly podcast. So we will be back one week from today. That's next, I don't know, Saturday, Sunday, something like that. And we'll be posting part two of Vizzer with Maisha, of course, and Casey, as per usual. So it's going to be a ton of fun. I'll come back at you. You'll get to hear them talk about their work. So you won't hear my like ramblings of a mad woman here. But um, again, beside you comic, The Substitutes check them out they are both amazing comics and gorgeous and beautiful and so much fun and i love them both for real seriously i don't just say this because these are my friends because that would be bullshit these are both amazing comics it's it's a disservice pretend they're my enemies their comics are amazing you should read them both okay i'll stop now because i think casey and maisha will listen to this and i don't want to embarrass them too much but also between us Dear listeners, and me, and me, Alex, between us, seriously, read them. All right, see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and uh, hopefully it wasn't too short for you, even though I think, like, two hours is 
frowned upon generally in the podcasting world. But um, thank you guys for being here. You guys are awesome. I love you all. Thank you. Bye.